Welcome back to another brand new episode of Full Metal RPG. I'm your host, Brendan Carrion. This is episode 110. Today I'm joined by RB motherfucking K, holding it down in the control room. What's up, Richard? How you doing, buddy? It's so difficult to hold things down. All the things have to be bolted and unbolted and, and clicked and unclicked. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm doing okay. You know, I got... Uh, Lots of lots of stuff. I'm hoping we're 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 continue to our journey to better quality. And uh, oh, yeah. you know, uh, I'm uh, <sighs> keep clicking. Keep everybody just keep clicking. Constant improvements. Constant <laughs> improvements. Right. Welcome, right. welcome to all the listeners. Welcome to everybody who's watching with us right now. And then thank you to all of our patrons. And uh, if you want to, if you're listening right now live, then you can go on to the uh, Discord and you can ask those questions. So. Um, Please do that. Please, if, if, if that's something that you think would be fun to do. And we got Ashley. How you doing? Welcome. Um, hi, I'm doing great. Um, Richard, when he's talking about trying to hold everything down, it reminds me of putting balloons underwater and just trying to hold them, and they just keep popping up constantly. Boop. Yeah, I imagine it's it's something like that. But Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's, I may have done that once as a kid. That sounds that sounds kind of vaguely familiar, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Had to be, to be real. And we got Daryl. Daryl, what's up? What's up, Playa? How you what's doing? What's up? Uh, good. Good. Life is good. Just can't Great. complain. Beautiful yeah. Sunday afternoon here. No doubt. No doubt. Mm-hmm. And it is good to see you, my friend. It's good to have you back on the show. So uh, we got episode 110 today. How quickly the time flies. Am I right? I mean, I, it just seems uh, we're already 10% of the way to 200. Ah! <laughs> it, doesn't seem, it doesn't even seem like a real thing. It seems like this is a brand, brand new shit for us. But I guess that's how time goes. It just sort of keeps going and going, whether you want it to or not. Uh, I'm uh, sitting here today. I'm rocking a very special T-shirt from my friend Chris Kohler. The, uh, it's a Wild in the Streets tee. Uh, Roll the Dice of Pain, based on a nice Christian death album. We just put some work into getting this uh, this uh, very, very, um, like, to-the-point uh, Christian death theater of pain uh, album cover, uh, only delightfully gamery. And uh, he sent it to me the other day, and uh, if you're watching, you're able, to see, you're able to see the shirt maybe a little bit. Uh, my hair is in the way. Um... But uh, if you're interested in that kind of thing, this was like a super duper flash release. I mean, this thing came and it was gone like so fast. We did this at the end of uh, end of December, rather, just kind of like in the middle of the night when uh, Chris hit me up and he's like, "We should do the shirt," and like it, and it just happened, boom, boom. So uh, that was all done via our uh, newsletter for uh, Slow Death Games. If you're interested in miss like if if you missed out on this and you're interested in getting in on like super duper cool flash printed freaking uh game t-shirts man then you gotta sign up for that newsletter at slow death games and then you'll be able to get a little missive from me like every like once or twice a month where i uh you know talk to you about what's going on over there and, and sometimes alienate people with my hot takes anyhow <laughs> i mean like like my alienation on the discord this week hooray you, you got alienated on the Discord. well we'll, we'll talk about that in the black hole <laughs> oh boy, uh, I missed something. Man, I was so busy at work this week. I missed something on the Discord. That's right. All right. It's, well, it's, that's you, you miss a day on the Discord. You miss a lot. So yeah, uh, no kidding, no so. kidding. The Discord still remains a, a, a happening place to be. Um, speaking of which, we got a new patron. 
enjoying that cool um, uh, status on the uh, the Discord right now. His uh, his name is Ben Rogers. He's actually a um, friend of the show, going way way back to when we were just like kind of like really Instagram oriented. So I've been uh, chatting with Ben on and off for years now, and uh, he's like a big fading suns dude but he also does some uh freelance for uh i i, I don't want to name drop too much he does some freelance if you want to come on to the discord and you want to chat with him about his freelance adventures uh he does uh uh he's he's, he's very enthusiastic about the judge dread series of games and he'd love to hear from you to play judge dread to play rogue trooper uh to play strontium dog um He's a great guy, and like I said, we've known him for years. I'm very happy that, A, he's decided to support the show on Patreon, but also just to be um, able to chat with him on a regular basis on the Discord again because uh, that was always the best thing about the Instagram anyway was just, like, talking to people, and um, we've been doing a lot of that on the Discord. We've been doing a lot of that on the Discord. Uh, so speaking of the black hole, do we want to jump into that vortex? Black just hole. jump in. So the event horizon, uh, the, yeah, the black hole is the ever-sucking void that takes up all of our time, attention, resources. It is role-playing, greatest of hobbies. So uh, I've been talking for a while. Um, Richard, I'm dying of suspense. <laughs> tell me what's go. Tell me what's going on. Tell that, me what's going on in the, in the Discord kingdom, man. So uh, Ashley, Ashley had a little issue with some dice she ordered, uh, and she'll probably yes. talk about that uh, in a minute. But I mentioned that I am not a fan of game science dice. The old school, the oldest of old school quality increase, right? I get it. In the 1970s, it was a quality increase. This is a hot take, bro. This is a hot take. I don't think it's a hot take. <laughs> because if I have to put take a knife to my dice to make them flat, I think you failed as a dice manufacturer. I'm sorry. You failed. It's it, you're supposed to be the most precise. They anyway, there were a couple people that are really big fans of theirs, which I'm fine with. I you know, enjoy what you can enjoy, enjoy your wobbly dice, it's fine. Uh, there's there's Zakahedrons, bro. Yeah, it's fine. I, I, I like the sharp corners. I, you know, I like cutting myself with dice, it's cool. Like, you know, I get it, but that's why I bought them. But then, you know, they got some knobs on there. I got to get my hobby knife out and some sandpaper that just. That's not a good product for something that costs eighteen dollars USD. So you're supposed to put it in a tumbler. You're supposed to tumble. That. <laughs> that's literally what they say: is we don't tumble our dice, so that that's why they're better. It's literally what they say on their webpage. It's like do not tumble these dice; they're better because of it. So I, I get it. Like that's it's it. it, it may, I mean, I have a thought for a show topic that might come up later, but we'll we'll uh, I'll add that to the show notes. But it's like. Uh, Different styles of gaming. It's a very inflammatory title. Progressive versus conservative gaming. Anyway. Uh, oh. So, uh, but, you know, you can be, uh, you know, conservative in your, uh, you can be uh, conservative in your gaming and liberal in your politics. It's it's a thing. Uh, but I also got some really cool Kickstarter stuff. So, you know, uh I got, finally got. So now, so now that you're done setting game science ablaze, you're gonna tell us what your Kickstarter. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you about things I like, and you know, I got a couple of uh, uh, books from Diogo here. Nice. Uh, I nice. got sc- so sc- screaming uh, from the, amongst the stars, right? Which is a sci-fi nice. 
a little pamphlet game I'm holding up here on the it's the covers on these are ridiculous. And then the one that I really fell in love with is Running Out of Time, which is his cyberpunk game. And this cyberpunk game is basically your health is measured in how many days you have left to live. So like you are in the days left before you die. And you're trying to survive longer and i just as a cyberpunk concept that is just like it lights all these lights up inside my neuron paths and it makes me want to plug my jack in the back of my head and get going so like and i'm gonna i'm gonna do a video go through this book and i'm gonna do a video of me making a character and like walking through it so nice and his and his his art slash graphic design game oh it's beautiful it's gorgeous like yeah, look at that. that it's, is, it's just that it's just gorgeous. You can't see it because you're listening to it, but like I will be doing a video on our YouTube channel of going through this book because it is gorgeous, and I will make a character because it takes all of like three seconds. So that's that's top tier shit. I fucking love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hell yeah. And then and then one other thing is our friend uh, we had him on last uh, spring, uh, Hunters of Avalon. Todd finally he sent out his uh, thing. Like I ordered a, a, a dice tower because I was like, oh, I'll give him ten bucks or whatever for a dice tower, and and but then it gets delivered in this gigantic chest. So like the dice tower, like it was. There's something extra about this box, actually. By the way, I won't spoil the secret if you order one from him. But like, there's something cool about this box that you don't know. But like, this this thing. It looks like it's made of MDF. Is that right? Uh, no. It's it's uh it's balsa. It's a it's not MDF. It's ply. It's it's. Oh, okay. But it's it's like uh, it's it really nice designs around the edge. It has his the logo and some some stuff on the top. But it's it's a legit big box that you could carry. You know, have multiple pounds of dice inside of. Uh, but it's just. Do you think you could use it as an in-game artifact? Oh, for sure. Like yeah, yeah. Like you could you could put like kind of cool gold coins inside of this thing. You know, and and hand it around and like have like a you could put a puzzle inside of it easily. This would this would be a great puzzle box, like a Do little latch. Did I see a little dice in there? Oh yeah, that was another extra thing. Is he he made these like dice that are also yeah they're also like this game. It comes with it. It's like a push your luck kind of game. Oh, 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 it's like an in-world game? For yeah, his, it's like, for his, oh, yeah, it's like these three dice. Thing. It's like called the Fox and the Hunter or something like that. But that came like with it. That. There, There's all kinds. And there's there's a secret that is in this box that I won't talk about. But, yeah. Uh, you just did. No. I, I, no, there's, a, there's another secret that I can't tell you. I'm not going to tell you about. So unless you want to ruin it. Well, he's not going to reveal the secret. He's revealing the existence of the secret, but not what the secret is. Right. There, there. Look deeper. There is always another level. Uh, oh, goodness. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was uh, that was a, a quite the surprise when I opened that up. Uh, and I, I really like I really like the dice tower that actually folds down. That, that oh, that looks cool. So and it's got the built-in dice jail too. Yeah. Well, I got I got to talk to Todd <laughs> about this because there's some I had some issues with that, but that, that it broke. It broke. But I got to talk to him. It's fine. It came with instructions how to fix it. It said specifically, get your glue out. <laughs> yeah, and I did, and then it broke again. Uh, <laughs> I know how to glue things together. There's a whole station back here where I glue things together. Uh, <laughs> anyways. Hey, man, I got up on the Discord for thinking that, that, that Chernobyl was in Poland. Poland. 
Yeah, like, that like <laughs> that's we, true. We're at the mm-hmm. stage of Full Metal RPG where we got to be very careful about like how we word what it is that we're saying because <laughs> oh, people yeah. will assume things about us like that. I don't know where Poland is, and then Richard doesn't know how to use. Poland. I, I'm completely okay <laughs> with being roasted. Uh, I I love being roasted. <laughs> I am the roaster. I am Kenny Rogers. I'm here to roast. Roast me, please. Bring it on the Discord. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. So uh, anyway, You're that's another artifact. Is that all your artifacts? Oh, yeah. Well, that was that was the third thing is it was part of the bonus. But he's selling these. These are rad ass uh, coasters with a die holder. So there's your D20 holder on the side. But I like the coaster because I like the symbol with the on it. It says wizard. I didn't think that was necessary. Yeah, that's but cool. But it was so kind of like a class. Like maybe you get like a, 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 mm-hmm. a set that has all the classes on them, and then you can pass them out. Now that's kind of yeah. Cute. I like yeah. That. He's got he's got a whole set of them on the website, Hunters of Avalon. So I figure I'd give him yeah. a shout out because of all the crazy stuff that he's. <laughs> the guy the guy just takes off. Like one of my suggestions was like for his game because this Hunters of Avalon game was to like have these like tower defense grids to like defend the town, and he made a whole digital game out of that. Like you can download this digital game off his website. Like I had no idea they were. I didn't read that far into it. Like apparently it was a stretch, stretch goal, and apparently he did it anyways without even funding that far. So like, uh, you know, dude, dude is uh, dude is uh, likes to really go extra. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like homie's got some time <laughs> yeah. on his hands. Yep. Uh, Daryl, my friend, what have you been up to, buddy? Uh, well, uh. I- during the pre-show, I was downloading all of my presents to myself from my past self, including uh, Iron Sworn, so that Ashley and I can get started on reviewing some uh, two-player and or GM-less games. Uh, starting to do like bonus segment there, so I'm excited for that, and I'm excited because I'm not so intimidated doing some one-on-one role-playing with Ashley as opposed to like trying to do the digital thing with everybody online. I'm still struggling mm-hmm. there, so uh, it's going to be exciting to to take on some of this like two player role playing games and uh, learn more about that genre. Uh, I, I remember many many years ago, Richard uh, came and told me about uh, Cthulhu Confidential, and I have been struggling to remember that title for the longest freaking time. The alliteration so. is good, but the title is eh. Anyway. <laughs> well, I remembered that it was Pulpy Cthulhu, and I was like, Pulpy Cthulhu, you, you type that in, you don't get anything related to role-playing, so, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah, so I'm excited for that. Yeah, I didn't think of that, didn't think of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's an mm-hmm. SEO fail, that's a big SEO <laughs> fail, yeah. Um, well, and that name of- actually came up because I threw it out to the Patreon chat, I said if there was something, because I knew we were going to start doing this segment, so I asked if there were any two-player GMless games, and, um, I think it was Wolf Mungus was saying Fuck yeah, Wolf so. Mungus. Wolf yeah. Mungus, mm-hmm. the so, homie, dude, good that guy recommendation. is... Recommendation. Yeah. <clears throat> he's, he's always got something supportive to say for, for yeah. everybody there. He's, in, he's interested in some cool stuff all on his own. Some. Um, have you guys... Do you guys uh, have any interest in Shadowrun Anarchy? That's GMless. Kind of, it's both GMless and not GMless. If you decide that you're interested... Get at me sometime in the Discord and let me know if you want me to lend you my Shadowrun Anarchy shit. That that game is in a weird place, a weird space design-wise, where it both has a GM and then, like, doesn't have a GM. Anyway, mm. like, the GM is almost like this superfluous, like, vestigial GM. I don't know. If you want to look at it, let me know. I definitely know. do. I love Shadowrun, cool. and I hadn't looked at the Anarchy yet, uh, so that'd be fun. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the, the, I'll, I'll, I'll get it. I'll get it over to you. Um, Ashley, how about you? What have you been up to? What's the crack lacking? Are you done, Daryl? Did I fucking? Yeah, I'm you good. Off, I'm good. Dude? All right, cool. <laughs> Ashley, lay it on me. Okay. Well, um, first of all, some of the things that Richard talked about, I actually have things to add on. So for the the dice, uh, we started our Ravnica campaign this week, and so for the DM, it's his first time DMing, and I was like, it would be fun to get. Some he loves um, Demir, so it was like Demir is like the spy guild in Magic and Ravnica. So I was going to get him custom made dice that were a whole set of black and blue, which is their colors, and the high number on all of the dice is the Demir symbol and all of that. And I waited uh, over a month to get them, which for custom dice, I was like, okay. And the price I paid was what you would pay for custom dice. I got them in and I took them out and I was pissed like i shared pictures in the discord and that's kind of what prompted this whole discussion about dice that you know game science dice and all that but game science stands anyway (laughs) so i work with inkfill at work i work at a machine shop and so i understand when you're doing part marking type stuff inkfill sucks i fucking hate it so i get that but you clean it up before you send it to your customer and it's like he did not clean this up at all i mean there was ink smeared all over the faces of it and I took it to work and I just used alcohol. I used isopropyl alcohol and it came off. So it's like he could have done that easily. And Richard pointed out the uh, the actual numbers looked like some of the mold was still in it. And it was like I could scratch it out with a paperclip. I mean, just really, I was I was very unhappy because I'm like, you rushed through this. You paid no attention to the quality of it whatsoever. But granted... I work in an aerospace shop, so our quality and inspection is a lot higher than you would get for custom dice, and I understand that. But I showed it to our inspectors, and they were just like, this is horrifying. And I'm like, I know. These dice can't go to space. Like, it was, yeah. But <laughs> it, it was, uh, I was very disappointed. It was awful. This, the percentile. This was, a, this was a regretsy situation, right? Hugely, yes. Bigly. And I love Etsy. I love uh, supporting small creators and independent creators and things like that. Like, I, I buy a lot off of Etsy, and this is the first time I've ever been hugely disappointed in one of my purchases. So the percentile die I thought was interesting because it's it's backwards. Like, you know how it'll say 10, 20, 30, whatever. So I emailed them about that with my list of, like, these are things I'm disappointed out with this about with this. Uh, he was like, it says 010203 so on and so forth. And he's like, that's just another style of percentile die. And it's the one I chose when I was making my dice. I'm like, that's another style of D10. You know, like <laughs> if you want two digits on it, you know, like I understand yeah. that, but this is not a percentile die in this, in any world ever. Like, yeah. So yeah, the D4 was, and these D4s are hard. I understand, like, especially when you're trying to get the numbers, if it's a smaller one, the way I understand how a D4 would be difficult to make, but the way that it's on, it's just like a number in the middle of the face. And so when you roll it, you have to look at all of the faces and see which one is right side up. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> right. My, so my brain just exploded. Like, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Instead of doing it like at the bottom or having three around the, like the corners or anything like that, it's, it's just in the middle of the face and you have to look at all three sides that are showing and see which one is right side up and that's what you rolled so. oh wow yeah so <laughs> now yeah. i i know you probably don't want to throw shade or anything but 
since we've warned the cultists about mm-hmm. this person, do we want to say what the name of their shop is? Like, I don't even sure. remember. Oh, okay. Well, Honestly, we're not I don't remember. To get anybody to leave bad reviews or nothing. We yes, like, right. We just don't like. Well, in this, don't shop there. Had, like, yeah, yeah. This person um, had like ninety plus sales. They had five stars in reviews, so I felt comfortable, and I mm. was yeah. So, so um, customer service was. Yeah, he said I, I, he could either give me a refund, which I'm going to just try and fix them. Like, I can ink them. Like, I can re-ink them, and I got the stuff off or whatever. But um, he said I could either do that or send them back, and he'd remake them. And I'm like, I don't want you to. Like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to get back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? So, yeah. So I'm just going to try and fix them myself. But. Yeah, good so on that you. was my regretsy. Mm-hmm. Hot, I'm crafty, and I right? work at a shop with stuff, so... Hmm? Yeah, Et- Etsy's be- yeah, Etsy's kind of become a little annoying because of all the all the mm-hmm. Chinese manufacturers that have kind of taken over. Because I was like, oh yeah, like I bought a wallet, like I bought this wallet. I was like, oh, this is a really cool looking like space theme. Pla- it's like one of these plastic, mm-hmm. this indestructible wallets. Because I thought it was different, getting monogrammed. I was like, oh, it, the person, the the shop title is like an American name and like, I just assumed that the, it, but no, it came straight from China, but it took like a two months to get it. And like, I'm like, why, why? Like, this is a manufacturer. There's literally somebody manufacturing this in China, not a person and Etsy, you know, right. Right. Um, I mean, that, yeah. There's a whole conversation to be had there about how these platforms yeah. are like created to sort of like democratize the playing field for like small creators and artists craft mm-hmm. people and then they just be- become co-opted by companies and kind of like grifters and the the entire the entire fundamental underpinning of them is is mm-hmm. is, is influenced by these these actions because there's no incentive on etsy or kickstarter or anything like that mm-hmm. to actually police any of that because all they want is just the money from the transactions yeah i was just gonna say kickstarter <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> Right. Who? <laughs> right. Starter. Anyway. So, um, yeah. So it's that, and then um, the Avalon thing, the Hunters of Avalon thing that Todd did. Um, he's going to be doing an actual LARPing event uh, later this year, and I get to play a wizard. So I'm going to be a wizard NPC at Avalon, and so I'm really excited about that. Rad. Um, yeah, I got my Great American Witch book in from Chris Gray from Forever Ago because I forgot to order it. That has nothing to do with him. He's <laughs> for a long time. I just did what. Daryl did and went on to drive the RPG and went through all of my stuff that I've paid for that I didn't ever get. Um, Pathfinder 1 still going strong. I love that campaign so much. It's great. Pathfinder 2, we finished the intro module and no one died. We got through it and everyone was alive. And I really thought our barbarian was going to die at the end. Otter she came so close. <laughs> uh, thought. <laughs> She's my, my, my niece. My, my character's niece. We're, mm. you know, related. But yeah. So really excited about that. Um, we're going into a, a homebrew module, like our GM, the one I was telling you about that's running Pathfinder 1 and 2 weekly. Uh, he's he's going to now move into homebrewing what we're doing. He's not even going to be following a module anymore. So I'm like, that's up to you. Like, uh, that's, that's both you. Both easier so, and harder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, our, like I said, our Ravnica campaign, we had session one this week. Um, I'm really interested to see what mechanics come in from magic 
Um, the one thing that I've seen so far is that you we get spirits using the spirit token cards. So there's actual magic cards getting kind of used in the hmm. game. You're, so. you're referring to MTG, Magic the Gathering, the card Correct. game. And how yes. the, the systems from that game will somehow correspond to the Dungeons & Dragons experience. Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So they have Magic the Gathering cards that we use. Um, each of us were given a spirit token card, which is from Magic the Gathering. And uh, we can kind of summon it to help us at some point during the game. Oh. So that's the only mechanic I've seen so far that seems Magic the Gathering-y. Is that um, one use only? It's... Yes, I think you can use it once every some period of time. I can't remember. There's so many things that's like you can use this once a century. You can use this once per blah blah blah. So I can't remember oh, this one. What century it was, rad? Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm interested to see how it goes. The only thing we've done so far is um, fight goblins. So that's cool. Um, and the last <laughs> thing I have Dungeons and Dragons, like, everybody. Yeah, I love Dungeons and Dragons. All this other stuff, and then and we fought some goblins. And, right. And, and skeleton. Level it is one. it is five E at heart, so yes. So first <laughs> thing we did was we fought some goblins. Nice. Um But yeah, and the last thing is my Cthulhu actual play that I'm doing with um Gallant Knight Games and Alan. Uh we've we played our first session in like the intro thing. So we're gonna play together a couple times and kinda get a feel for each other's play style and all of that. And so in about a month is when we're gonna start streaming it live probably. But yeah, cool. so far it's it's a lot of fun. I like it. But that's Great. Great, great. Well, uh, <clears throat> for the black hole, what I did this week was I read I read Mork Borg. I finally got Fuck around yeah. to reading Mork Borg. Uh, RBK and Ashley and Daryl and I were discussing it, and uh, Richard said you can really get thirty minutes. And I was like, "What? Thirty minutes? <laughs> I never even thought." Uh, I mean, I've had the book; it's been sitting on my bookshelf for a hot minute, and. Um, you know, I've, I've flipped through it because that's what you do in your roleplay guy. You flip through your books. So I finally was like, if Daryl, if Daryl, if Richard says I can fucking cre- cruise through this thing in 30 minutes, I'm going to try. And I think it probably took me more like an hour. But to Richard's point, I think if you only were concerned with character creation and then doing stuff like how to do stuff in the game and you want uh, 30 minutes would give you a comprehensive knowledge of all of those things not just kind of like a like bird's eye view that what you could then kind of like go into the text and figure it out like if you're playing shadow run and you're like well i want to glean how to make a wizard and know what the principles of playing wizardly magic are and that would take you 30 minutes just to get like some ground level concepts that you might be able to apply in game in 30 minutes, you could be like a scholar on Morgborg. You could yep. be like, well, here's my deep dive <laughs> opinions, right? Which I now have deep dive opinions about right. Morgborg. <laughs> so uh, this is like a this is a really interesting game. Another thing we were kind of discussing on the Discord this week was like minimalist role playing and its benefits and drawbacks. I think a lot of people uh, have this idea about Morgborg, it's developed a really, really fervent uh, community. It's developed, it's definitely developed a cult. And uh, there's, but there seems to be this question as to like, is the game itself fun or is it just a very beautiful product? And I will confirm, will confirm that this is a very beautiful product, but like, is it like intrinsically better than Tiny Dungeon or, uh, say for instance the black hack or for instance 
uh, Into the Odd, or like even Nave or uh, Maze Rats, which are just online-only releases. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I would necessarily go so far as to say that. I think that each one of those games that I've just previously mentioned, like, does a lot of the same stuff and then does it about as well, you would have to kind of look at, like, you'd start getting into kind of nuanced ideas about, like, oh, well, here's the thing that I'm, like, peevishly into, and here's the thing. So so I don't like Into the Odd, but I do like the Black Hack because of some little thing in the mechanic. I think that probably the game that uh, Mork Borg sort of, like, where it sits ideologically is LOTFP, Lamentations of the Flame Princess. It's kind of boggles my mind how much Morg Borg is what I expected Lamentations of the Flame Princess to be when I picked up Lamentations of the Flame yeah. Princess, yeah, right? for sure. Like, because at the beginning of all this OSR stuff, you used to hear about Lamentations, and people were like, oh my god it's so brutal it's so edgy it's so transgressive nope. and then and then you bought the core book and it's like it's just a fucking d20 game it's yeah. like it's essentially 3.5 kind of summed down from being a labyrinth to being a corridor you know what i'm saying i mean what's the big deal and granted there is a, you know if you get the modules lotfp does kind of take on a more of a shape but the Morkborg book itself at its core does have that grim, dark, brutal, unrelentingly nihilistic kind of uh, just pitch black metal kind of feel to it and vibe. Uh, it's it's, it's uh, strikingly... It, it, it is the game I was looking for when I picked up LOTFP fucking almost 10 years ago. And I think if I had picked up Morg Borg or LOTFP had been in this form almost 10 years ago when I was first getting into uh, OSR games, I probably would have been like, I probably would have made this religion. I probably would have been like, Morg Borg, Morg Borg forever. But that just didn't happen, you know? So now as a OSR player, I look at this and I'm like, yeah, it's good. You know, I, I'll play this. I will play this. And in fact, I think a little bit later in the episode, Richard and I kind of have some stuff that we want to talk to the cult about. Hell yeah. R.E. R.E. Borg Borg. But, um, you know, now it's a very it's a very good game. And it, and it has, for a long time, I would always say to people like, oh, well, the, my go-to OSR is LOTFP because it's so easy to hack. And it really is. Um... But uh, Morg Borg is just as easy to hack. I mean, there's like there's no sense of what you might call balance in this game. Like <laughs> exactly there, perfect. There's no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the and that's not because sometimes people go like, oh, balance is a concept that is stupid and you shouldn't like attempt to pursue it. So what that means is that we're going to have like very high highs and very low lows, and you should just play and not worry about whether like where you fall inside of that um, oscillating sine wave. But what Morg Borg really does is it kind of compresses that 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 oscillation to a variance that is just essentially academic. Like, I mean, like you're like, oh, am I the best character ever in Morg Borg? Like, so what? You're just, you're just like incrementally better than the worst character in Morg Borg. You're, you're using so. a dagger instead of a hip bone to to kill people with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's just really no sense of like, oh, I'm playing a power character. I mean, I'd love to see what a power character would look like in this game. Um, 
I think probably my favorite thing about it is the concept that in this in this uh, I'm going to build. I understand I'm going on, but I'm, this is my last point, and I'm going to make it. I think it's important for OSR guys to hear about this OSR OSR chaps. Um, one of the biggest problems that as as an OSR GM that you may encounter is that combats become exceptionally boring very quickly. They are really meant to be over and done very fast and to encourage your players to get out of there very quickly. But the OSR mechanics don't always incentivize that. Sometimes they are written with a much more kind of trad take on combat. And if you try and build a trad combat, then it just turns into this grind that becomes so boring, like so fast. Yeah. It, players are miserable the gm is miserable nobody wants to do this because you're doing things like you're rolling a d20 and you're saying okay the skeleton is trying to hit you i'm rolling a d20 your armor class is 12 which means i have a 60 percent chance of failure and oh look i failed again the skeleton failed to hit you and then you go oh i tried to hit the skeleton and you're like oh well you have a 70 percent chance of failure which and then they fail again and so there's these protracted combats in which nothing is actually happening so what Mork Borg does to address this, which is actually kind of similar to something that's in the Black Hack, I think. I could be mistaken. Um, Mork Borg just assumes that the enemies always hit you. So whenever you are confronted by an enemy, they just automatically hit. And then you get a die roll to resist being hit. And I think mm -hmm. that the standard, like it's like a dodge check, and the standard difficulty on a dodge check is 12. So you're going to fail that 60% of the time. Which means that you better fucking look out for those skeletons. Those skeletons are going to fucking eat your <laughs> ass up, man. Like, like, like this is, these are going to be zesty combats. These combats, you're, that, 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 just by saying that, just by going into the rule set and saying that one of the... And, and they, don't actually, they don't actually say that. They just say, GMs don't roll dice. Uh, you just roll to resist. So I love that rule where it's just like... I always hit. As the GM, I always hit. You're never going to see me rolling some fucking die for something that doesn't matter. I always hit. You are always on your back foot. You are always responding. So I, I, give, I give Morg Borg an A plus for um, minimalist OSR role playing, not just because the game is fundamentally sound. Like I said, you know, I, I also like Maze Rats. I also like Into the Odd. Um,. It's a fundamentally sound game with an amazing package. Uh, you know, give Mork Borg a shot, and then you may you may or may not have an opportunity to give Mork Borg a shot with the uh, Full Metal RPG crew upcoming soon. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so we have a question. We have a question from a cultist, and because I've been going on for such a while, I am going to kick that over to you guys uh, to to answer first. Uh, our good friend uh, Rob writes, um, so if you could play an RPG based on any, and he capitalizes any IP that either hasn't been done or you think hasn't been done justice, what would it be? So, um, hmm. Daryl, you haven't had a chance to talk much, I feel like. Yeah. So um, all right, so... As usual, I can't narrow it down to just one. I can't pick one. <laughs> I've got so many brain thoughts, and Ashley stole my number one brain thought. So <laughs> I'm going to say that uh, heavy on my brain lately because I've been interacting a lot with uh, Mr. Ralph Bakshi, one of my favorite uh, artists from my childhood. Uh, I want to see heavy metal 
I want to see Heavy Metal, the RPG. I don't know. I know that it's had some video game success. I don't know that I've ever seen an RPG book written on the Heavy Metal universe. Specifically, I think like the first one's kind of just a rock opera, but the second one had some really heavy fantasy rock elements that I think would translate well to an RPG universe, just uh, taking the artwork and transforming it into a, a living, breathing world. Um, and what would you same... do in a game like that? What would the what would what would be the um, what would be the pl- what would be the play? I'm seeing it being a short form, like uh, like a Morkborg with a point, you know, with like you know you're you've got you've got a specific goal to defeat the evil wizard or whatever uh, that's built into the game. But the how you get there and the zany action adventure, um, I'm seeing it maybe having some. Uh, some interesting card-based mechanics or something funky to it where you build in the artwork into the game itself, you know, reveal the next uh, challenge by flipping over something from a tarot deck or something like that with some really kick-ass art that lends itself to that storytelling. In my world, it's either super OSR or or supremely hippie. Uh, it's nowhere in the middle. It's, it's either just conversational gaming or it's uh, super crunch. Um, not really sure which way I'd go with it. Interesting, interesting. All right, so you had another one. Yeah, yeah. I don't, you know, same vein. Wizards, Wizards the RPG. I don't know. I mean, that's even more of a pointed story because I don't know what other stories you could tell with Necron ninety nine and and uh, the allegory of World War Two. But uh, again, just yeah, it's on my brain. Lots of good artwork. Uh, and then I just my kids bought me the first Sandman omnibus. I've read it before. And I've I've I started my first in introduction to Sandman universe was um, I started with uh, uh, the kindly ones, which was a really cool jumping in point. And then I went back and read the rest. And I'm glad I did it that way because I wouldn't have kept up with it if I hadn't done it that way. Um, the first two trades are a little rough. I would I would be surprised if they didn't come out with a Sandman RPG with the new TV show that's coming. The audiobook mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. a wonderful addition. It was a really faithful um, everything except I and this is my hot take of the day. Didn't like Kat Dennings as Lady De- or as uh, Death. That was um, not my favorite voice actress to play that role. Not how I heard her voice when I read the comics. I guess mm. I just love Kat uh, Dennings. So in my opinion, she can do no wrong. <laughs> oh, she's yeah. awesome. She's awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. Absolutely, just mm-hmm. not not the way that I had heard Death in my head, but. Uh, mm. Yeah, uh, overall, I think it'd be a cool IP to to RPG eyes. Um, I don't know. See, I, where would you start? Where would where would the players be? I don't know who the players would be in those stories. See, okay, okay. I'm actually going to pony off of you because that was because that was actually on my list. Also, is I uh, I wasn't thinking Sandman, but I was thinking '90s Vertigo like connected universe. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. And if, yeah. if you could do John Constantine, books of magic, Sandman, Lucifer, Shit. all those, all those fucking books together, tied together mm-hmm. as a role playing game. And you could just inhabit that world and like engage with like Papa midnight and swamp thing. And none of the other shit. Cause I know that it's all technically part of the DC world. Cause in the first book, he, there's the, that shit with Superman and Batman. And I know that they kind of ended the Hellblazer comic and like has spun John Constantine into being like an occult superhero, which I don't like, I don't like that take. But if you, if you made like a really kind of almost like, um, 
like almost like a mumble core role playing game of like a very very street level like nineties Britain smoking silk cuts and hanging out at a movie theater full of vampires. <laughs> I would fucking love to play that game. I'd absolutely love to play that game. Um, then my the, the my this is the one. This one actually is kind of like a little bit of a passion project for me and. I, I this is the kind of game that I, I take notes on every so often in this world of uh, serial numbers filed off games, right? And that to me is a Hellraiser movie role playing game because one of the things that's interesting about the first film is it's just like a standard. It's not a standard horror movie, but it's it's it's, it's got a lot of nuance. But it's a horror movie, right? And you kind of are like, well, okay, there's some monsters mm-hmm. coming out that terrify this girl, and then it's over. But in the second movie. They introduce all these elements that actually, like, way before the idea of, like, an expanded universe, like, vastly expand the Hellraiser universe, right? We learn that there's, like, all these other puzzle boxes, and then we learn there's all this weird shit going on in Hell, and there's all these, like, strange Cenobites. And um, people have kind of played with that, like, um, more or less in the movies and in the graphic novels ever since then, and sometimes with greater or lesser success. But there's this really operatic tone in the second Hellraiser movie where you have like deranged human cultists who are trying to become Cenobites. And then you have humans that are caught up in their machinations. And then you have um, these extra dimensional beings who are really hooking both literally and figuratively everybody into these situations. And I I would love to role play that. I, to, me, to me, like there's a potential for a game that has a multi-generational feel that is similar to vampire the masquerade because especially of like the stuff that went on in like hellraiser 4 where there was like hellraiser in space and hellraiser in renaissance france and all sort of shit (laughs) um but like i i really feel like you could do that and then it would also have a kind of a gruesome kind of cult feel to it where it would just be but but it would it'd be very specific it would be like here's fucking gross flesh demons and shit and just that no no biblical imagery just like really kind of like sadomasochistic inspired torture imagery i don't know that makes me sound like (laughs) (laughs) but uh but i i think there's a game there and that's something that i've kind of puzzled over uh, I may still do it at some point. You may see that on my itch.io someday. If I if I if I just get the bug and I just like crush it out in a weekend, you know what I'm saying? My um, my uh, like uh, my operatic game of like relationships and conspiracy in hell game. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, those are my two thoughts. Uh, Ashley, how about you? You got? Well, my I'll get to my original thought in a second, but to kind of spin off of what you were saying, um, Friday the 13th, I think, would be really interesting because you could have this mechanic of uh, you're awake and then you have to do a saving throw against falling asleep or something like that. And so when you do fall asleep, then that's when like the combat or something happens. So I don't know. It just popped into my head as something that would be kind of you interesting. Mean, you mean uh, Nightmare on Elm Street? That's the one. Yes. Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. yeah no, that could be good, too. That mm-hmm. could be actually really good because there is mm-hmm. sort of an interesting arc with, like, Freddy and, like, the yes. Dream Warriors and reoccurring mm-hmm. characters. That would actually be a good, like, a uh, universe to set a series of games in as well. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. So I, I, that'd be cool. And then you can do the T-1000 
team up thing, like kind of bring them all together and have, you know, they had Freddy versus Jason and all of that. So I don't know if you'd want to relive that with the game, but I mean, or you could just leave that and pretend it didn't happen either way. Doug Doug Bradley actually has an interesting uh, 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 anecdote about how the movie studio that owns Hellraiser Mm -hmm. wanted to do a uh, Hellraiser versus Halloween movie. And because Mm -hmm. of the success of Freddy versus Jason, and it was one mm-hmm. of those movies that like almost happened where they like wrote oh. they wrote like a series of scripts for it and then like mm-hmm. at the last moment they were like now we're not actually gonna <laughs> Yeah. You can never find like video of him talking about that story. It's it's as as a, as a horror hound it is fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's a fascinating concept. Anyway, go ahead. I'm yeah. sorry. Um the first one that I thought immediately when I read the question was Lucifer. So, cuz I've and I've been watching the show. I haven't read any of the comics yet for it, but uh I think having like a detective type feel to it would be cool. And his whole power of getting people to talk about what their desires are, incorporating that mechanic in there somewhere. Yeah, Daryl's holding up the comic book. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think that'd be awesome. And it's because I recently just fell completely down the hole of watching that show and I have just got really sucked into it. So anything that I can relate that to, I'm going to at the moment. But, uh, yeah, I think that that would be a really interesting game. And I don't know if you would play Lucifer or if you would play, like, one of the other detectives he works with or if you would play someone who's comes up against him and you have to try and not tell him what your deepest desires are or whatever. So, yeah, but I think that would be an interesting world. And when you talked about bringing in the entire... Uh, like 90s Vertigo universe with all of the different that would be really cool I would like that a lot that'd be awesome because that expands I mean, it and makes it a little less precise on but based on one question asked by a listener three out of four yeah. hosts all kind of on their own <laughs> same yeah. place. so so Warner Brothers get your house in order give mm-hmm. us this game we want yes. to play this game yep. uh, on some level I think that the the old world of darkness game was actually sort of kind of winkingly try to sort of do this already with the, mm. with the serial numbers filed off, but um, they put their own serial numbers on, and so we, we, we want the real deal. We want the real deal, Warner Brothers. Give us our Vertigo Books of Magic game. God damn it. Anyway, go yes. ahead, Ashley. I'm sorry. That's it. That's all I had. Alright, great. Richard, what you got, bud? Um, so, this kind of came to mind because I'm currently reading through Cyberpunk Red, and I'm in the Netrunner section, and it is a different game but then it used to be in 2020 but the thing i kind of want is neuromancer the rpg the oh yeah the the idea the 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 vision and this happens in snow crash as well you could you could interchange this with the idea of snow crash whatever i want a net running rpg where it feels visceral because the problem I've always had with net running and 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 hacking and it always is so visceral in the movies, like this, like jacking, like this slapping, the cuts, the like, all the zooming and all that, like, and then like the f- different things happening. It never feels like that in RPG. Like, it never feels right. And sneak preview of later. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, I would like to play in a William Gibson universe. Wow. Uh, RPG that's branded. It's got all the stuff from the sprawl trilogy in it. No, no bullshit. And somehow they've made net running visceral. 
and like having, you know, going up against giant walls of black ice and like all of that make it feel visceral somehow. And, and I, I don't have the answer to this. Like I could probably sit and think about it, but like, I don't have the answers on how to make this visceral. And it's probably the quick and the dead still for, you know, like kind of cyberpunk style, but there's still this like, "Mm, what are we going to do here? I I think, I think the word visceral on some level shows the answer, right? Sometimes when you're doing game design, what you're looking for, you you can see the door that's blocking you, but you're looking for what the key hole mm-hmm. is. Yeah, yeah. When you say the word visceral, that's clearly that's clearly the lock, right? And if you can right. unlock that, you can unlock the problem. And I, I think because what you've what you've done is you've really isolated what the problem with net net running systems is that they're too cerebral, right? Nerds write these games. We're gonna have to make it realistic, and it's gonna have to be like when I do my computer stuff, and it's like. Fuck that, bro. That's not what it should be. It needs to be something different than that. This is science fiction. It has to be something that beyond what you like know as being like simulationist reality, you know. And so, um, I think that if somebody was to hear what you just said, they'd have they'd have the starting point. That's the starting point to, yeah. to making the game that is you're talking about. We want more Matrix. We want less Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> I like Giant Mnemonic. No, 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 I love the movie. No I love the movie. No, no, no. I love the movie. It's just when we're talking about the difference between the visceral and the uh, simulationist, I think that Johnny Mnemonic's version of net running and hacking is uh, stylized. You know, it was a use of 3D technology at the time, but it doesn't sure. really represent a thing that you can do in a game. Whereas I think that's where, like, you know, old school Shadowrun and Cyberpunk really, like, locked it in was it was supposed to be representational and not actual and it was usually a single player experience yeah, one that's, decker was doing it that's the problem party. with those those systems is it it as a game master i'm running two systems at once it was much worse uh, in the older systems because i was basically having to run an entire dungeon for one player like I'm running one dungeon for five players and another dungeon for one specific player at the same time. I mean, like, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing: is if you this is gonna be a William Gibson game, like, and it's been a while since I read the Sprawl trilogy, but I so I could be way off base here. But in my recollection, he doesn't get into a lot of super detail. No, there's not a lot of detail. Running, it's 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 kind of something that happens off screen, you know, and a little bit, yeah cyberpunk people have have kind of wanted to drill down into it and try to come up with all of these representational systems for how it looks and how it feels but in cyberpunk right when like uh what's his name uh fucking uh gets the the ability to run the net again like put back into his head in like the first chapter or whatever and then it shows him jacking in yeah and it just says tears start running down his eyes from being inside the matrix and right it just cuts away from him it doesn't see you don't even see what he's, yeah. uh, he's seeing he's just in there, you there know there's this like there's this thought that it's some kind of chemical in his brain he's addicted to running the net and i want that like i want that somehow to be as part of this game as like you're basically you have this like chemical reaction that makes it just this like instantaneous see, addiction to this idea. Like I see, I I almost disagree with that interpretation. Yeah. I know now we're talking about neuromancer, right, right. role playing game. Yeah. But 
But what I feel like Gibson was trying to say in Neuromancer wasn't even like, oh, um, fucking the net is a drug that you can put into your arm, but it really just goes into your brain. What he was trying to say is that and if you if you see it another way, then Go for please it. feel. Yeah. Free. But um, what he's trying to say is is that for him, being in the net was sublime. It was like Buddhism. It was like transcendental. It was it was like he was literally in a different reality, and it wasn't just like it just feels good, man. Or he, almost like summing it down to a chemical reaction is almost like too materialist. It's sure. like he's. He's like he's like he's like this is religious, you know what I'm saying? And like being banned from the Matrix was like being banned from heaven, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I I think that that's definitely like from his point of view. I think that was very much it. But he, I think he was, I mean, and he was trying to replace this feeling with all the drugs he was dealing doing, mm-hmm. <laughs> while he wouldn't he couldn't get on the net. So like, yeah. Anyway, we could we could do a whole you show on the, the Mantic. Yeah, yeah, but. <laughs> I, I think it was to me it was like he this this the the that kind of like visceral like chemical reactions yes that's too materialistic but that's sort of like why it felt you know it feels so like fantastic and like this quick because he's not spending a lot of time dealing with it like you just like it's in it happened and then you're you're on with the 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 drama yeah the story the story and so. That's that's the kind of feel that I would like to get, and you know I'm sure that if I sat down and I started working on it and reread and do one of my favorite things is reread all of the William Gibson novels. Like it's just an excuse to like 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 the, like the other things I'm trying to get make it as an excuse to reread those books. Anyways, so that would be uh, that would be my IP that I would love to see somebody try and really get a hold of. And I actually think it probably wouldn't if you, you know, worked your the street for a while. I don't think it'd be too hard to get a hold of that libel because it's not an active IP. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I yeah. would just want to point out Johnny Mnemonic, The Matrix, and Cyberpunk, all in common. Keanu Reeves. Yeah, so you need to get him involved in it. Yeah. So yeah. he's apparently the thread that ties it all together. So. The poster boy. Right. Well, Keanu Reeves is the original <laughs> nerd movie star. Before people were branding themselves as nerd movie stars, Keanu Reeves he never was like going on the news talking about how he played D and D or anything. I don't know that he does. I think he's an actual <laughs> real deal cool guy. But he's been making movies for us nerds for like thirty years, and mm-hmm. it's been. It's been kind of on the DL where he'll like go, oh yeah, I'm gonna do a walk in the clouds, and then I'll do a bunch of cheeky cyberpunk mm-hmm. movies, and you're like, homie, <laughs> homie, what up? I love you. I love that guy. Yeah, <laughs> number one, Constantine. That, yes. that Constantine yep. movie is super underrated. Everybody likes to shit on it. That's a super mm-hmm. underrated movie. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he's not English enough. It's a great film. <laughs> the core of the film <laughs> is is a great John Constantine story. Anyway, <laughs> any whoosies. Um. So we got like a little announcement uh, before we go on to the subject of the show, the actual subject of the show. Um, and so we've been kind of looking at the Patreon because it's been kind of blowing up lately. And we've been thinking like, well, it used to be that we were very far away from our monetary goals. And we were like, well, there's we don't really there's no we're kind of on a road to nowhere, you know, like like uh we have some money coming in. It's not like a lot, uh, and that's nice. It's helpful, but we're not really heading anywhere, so we can just kind of like leave all these 
you know, goals and stuff up. But then, then very recently, we've seen like a massive, like an over 50% increase in, in, in Patreon donations, which we love. And it's going to really put us on the road to doing some stuff, especially at the end of 2021, Hell yeah. beginning of 2022, that I think is going to be very special. Now, um, that means that we need to come up with something to do. Oh, shit. We got to do something. Else. Oh, shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> And so uh, we've always had this thing up where we said, "Oh, we'll, we'll do an AP, right?" And um, I think one of I think one of our big stretch goals was like, "It'll be on video, it'll be on YouTube <laughs> or some shit." And it's like, well, now we're already doing that, so that's not even such a big deal. Richard and I kind of talked about it this week, and I went on to Patreon and I went ahead and I lowered that goal to two hundred dollars. Right now we're at about one fifty one, I think. And so when we hit that $200 mark, we're going to start doing a once a month AP. <clears throat> when we hit the $400 mark, we're going to switch that to, to twice a month. Okay. Now the idea for the AP here uh, is to not bury us in a bunch of work that will make us resent doing the show like it's a job. So what uh, Richard and I kind of brainstormed up was a Mork Borg... AP that is done in the West Marches style. Hell okay. yeah. I, I think Mork Borg is actually really good for West Marches. And uh, I think there's a lot of potential here. And what I kind of like to do with it is uh, utilize some of our contacts from the game industry. And then for that first episode that's on every month is to have people from the game industry come on and just play a session of... <laughs> Mork Borg West Marches, and if they want to come back at some point and like revive their character, they can. Otherwise, it's just a one and done kind of thing. But we know a lot of people in the game industry. We know a lot of uh, content creators. I think that, especially if we're talking once, twice a month, we have years worth of content that we could create from just that. So, um, what I'm kind of asking for people to do is that's the $200 mark. I'll just put something out there right now. Richard contributes to the show every every month. Richard still has still Richard started out as a patron and when, after he became a host, he never canceled his Patreon. I am going to follow Richard's uh, uh, example, his excellent example, and I'm going to sign up for the Patreon as soon as I'm done with this episode. I'm going to be putting in my own my own five bucks, which means that we're looking for about nine patrons at the five dollar mark or more patrons at the less than $5 mark. And then this AP can happen. Okay, so if you know someone who listens to the show, or maybe you've been listening to the show for a while, you've been thinking about uh, pa patronizing us or whatever, now is a really good time to do it. Because we get that, if we get that like 50 bucks going in there, and um, we'll have this AP, and we'll get, and we'll get it started. We are going to come... Uh, the, 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 the content will be for people who are on the Patreon at first okay so what we'll do is with these one month episodes those will be patreon exclusives and if you pledge at any level you'll be able to see those exclusive episodes that's at the one dollar level you'll still be able to go on and see them right and then after the first month when a new episode comes out we'll make it visible to the public so that everybody can see it um, and if we start doing the twice a month then every time a new episode comes out the old episode goes public so it's not like it's not like a paywall. It's just early access. It's just yes. early access to the shit. Well, um, and they're, they're getting early access to the episodes now. 
So right. the patrons on the Discord are getting early access to the episodes right now. So it's just a thing I've right. been doing. So yeah, yeah, this is true. This is also true. So um, uh, so there is some value added in there. And uh, additionally, I would kind of like to add something in so that five dollar patrons and three dollar patrons have an ability to influence what is going on in the game. Now. If you're familiar with the West Marsh's style of play, which is where you have a giant sandbox and uh, player characters essentially have a lot of autonomy to like form little groups inside of the game world and then create expeditions where you approach the game master and then you say, this is the expedition that we want to do. When can we form a time to do this expedition? Um, I would like to foster something like that. I would also like it to not overwhelm my life and make me want to kill myself. So legit Richard, yeah, <laughs> Richard and I are going to be working on how to involve the patrons in that. And so if you're a patron or if you become a patron and you're interested in, um, Mork Borg West marches, uh, tentative working title right now is the rot marches. Um, yeah. please come on, get at us. And let us know what we can do to make this an event that you want to participate in ongoing. And it is worth your money. It's worth your patronage, uh, in addition to what it is that we do here on the show. If, you, if you're just altruistic and you believe in what we do, then, of course, thank you for your support. We love you. Um, our friend uh, Ben, he was like, yeah, I believe in what you guys do. I love what you guys do. Here's, here's some money uh, at long last. And thank you. I appreciate that. Um, but if you're like, no, I need to get something for giving, I completely understand. If you want to role play with us, if you want the potential to maybe be on one of these episodes where you get to play with a designer and it's like released to the public and people get to watch you role play in the Morg Borg world, if that's appealing to you, come on and tell us. Let us know. We are open to almost anything at this point. Almost. Because yeah. I know how you guys take this shit so literally. So um, <laughs> please do. <laughs> Please do come on and let Ooh. us know. Yeah, uh, literally. Hashtag rot marches. Uh, I'll probably be opening up a new channel in the Discord about this so that you can come up with your own ideas and, and, and seed them there. And then there will, of course, be because I've been, I've, been, I've, been, I've been reading up on this and listening. There's a whole podcast called Marching Westward. You should definitely listen to it. It's about running a West Marches style game. There's only like eight episodes. It's really too bad that he quit making them because they're very good. So there will be a an entirely new Discord server opening up specifically for patrons who are involved in the Rot Marches game. Um, that's also some fun all on its own. So please uh, consider making a donation to Patreon. Uh, you can find the links in the show notes and on our link tree and on the bells and on the whistles and on the likes and the subscribes and whatever the fuck <laughs> else. Um, please consider it. That's something to look forward to. Again, we get nine more at the $5 mark, and it's on, or maybe we get more people a little bit less. It's on. We all need uh, eight, because I did it while you were oh, talking. Oh, shit, <laughs> Oh, shit. See, see this is, uh, I think this is something that could happen sooner rather than later, Cultists, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, check, check it out. Check it out. Okay, now that was a lot of long-winded shit by me. Everybody's sick of hearing that by now. Richard, why don't you go ahead and introduce the uh, subject of today's episode since this one was your idea, bud? It would be helpful if I unmuted my microphone. <laughs> Anyways, uh, <laughs> so 
I, this is one of those questions that I kind of ponder myself and I've kind of asked, you know, it's kind of the bar talk is like, we don't have time. We're adults. We have, uh, you know, we, even if you are, you know, minimally employed, there's still adulting to do. And it's hard to really dig as deeply into the black hole of our hobby as you'd like. But at some point, if you're lucky enough to survive all of the modern adulting and you get through all of that life and you're like, I can retire. I no longer, I am independent of the man. I'm allowed myself time to retire. Now, I fully believe that I will die in a cubicle, but I dream of one day being able to run a game at the full power of time and effort that life could have and it had I not had to spend 8 to 10 to 12 hours in a cubicle. So my question to everyone here is what game would you run? What campaign would you run if you had the fullest extent of your powers and time? Wow. 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 That's an interesting reframing of the concept. Um, I am going to let, I'm going to let uh, Daryl and Ashley start, which way, who wants to go first, Daryl or Ashley, Ashley, you're leaning in. I'm go, you go for it. I'm leaning in to say, I'm going to go, I'm going to go after because <laughs> I misunderstood the question. Oh, what, 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 what did you understand the question I to? I understood it as like, if you were to retire from role-playing for some reason. Oh. Enough like, retirement. <laughs> See, I was going to ask. I was like, is okay. this like the game where I stand up and at the end of the final session, I'm like, that's it. You know, right. We're done forever. You know what I'm like, Well, and that's why I recommended of Dyson Men to you guys, because it's kind of like, their campaign is coming to an end and they're culminating it and it's like a retirement campaign. So I'm like, oh, you should watch that. It's great. It has nothing to do with the actual question though. So still a good movie. Watch it. Nothing to do with this. I will go last so that I can reformulate my answer. (laughs) All right, Terrell, what you got, bud? (laughs) So first of all, uh, of Dyson Men was a fantastic movie. I finished it right before we started recording. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. Sorry. Um, no, I just wanted to watch it anyway because once I started, I was like, I cannot. I could, I could see that it was a little off topic, but it was a good movie. Uh, highly recommended for all role players. Um, Richard, it reminded me a lot of your stories of gaming with your friends. Uh, so I, I, I will re. I think I watched part of that movie a long time ago. I, I think the descriptions sound very, very familiar, but maybe that's just because my life it's too look too close to. <laughs> yeah, you are the happy ending to that story. You're huh? you you and your friends' campaign for the happy ending to that story. So, uh, so yeah. Um, given infinite time, infinite resources, the ability to sit down and plot out in infinite detail, uh, the first thing that came to mind. I have two thoughts on this. The first thing that came to mind is that I have observed, and uh, I think Adam Maxwell was the one that that kind of put it in my head that there is an arc in all gamers' lives that we start with fantasy. We have, we start with Dungeons and Dragons and killing orcs. And we move on to to more mature themes like like sci-fi, and then we move into hard sci-fi. But that all gamers kind of tend to move around towards um, uh, historical games in the end. That everybody seems to. I was going to say, do we end up becoming historical guys? <laughs> right. Yeah, we've got we've got uh, millions of fifteen millimeter uh, Scots Brigade painting tiny plaid onto miniature kilts with our like super jewelers loops um 
And so, so bearing that in mind, bearing that this is the potential future of my gaming, I have to tie in the historical aspect to the horror aspect and say that if I've got, let's say I retire at 67 and I'm lucky and that I have a 20 years to just kind of exist in game, um, I'm going to do a World War II simulation, horror-themed, real-time game. Oh, shit. <laughs> Day one. <laughs> the fall of Poland, you know, the, the invasion of Poland. Uh, and maybe even start farther back from that. But then day by day, the game kind of builds itself because you've got real historical events that are happening that you can kind of fold your players into. But if you pick, if you take it day by day and do a weekly session, you can, you know, that's, that's my swan song. You know, it's, it's going to, it's going to take, uh, let's see, 52 weeks in a year. Um, so that's 52 days. I mean, yeah, that's, that's a good, like four year campaign, uh, to get through the majority of the events of world war two, uh, and add in the horror and supernatural elements, a little bit Hellboyish um, kind of deal to it. So that was like the, the big thing that popped into my head was just tying together the inevitable, uh, historical demise of my, my gaming future. And I say to my, you know, if you like historical gaming, fantastic. It's really not my jam. History, world history was a subject I got through in high school, uh, but did not super enjoy outside of medieval Europe. But yeah, so uh, that'd be fun. And it's a heavy concept game that that's the kind of thing that really just tickles my brain is trying to come up with a way to create a concept that is unique and cool. And I would probably bore everyone to death with it. I picture myself in the corner of a role-playing ga- uh, store or a, a gaming <laughs> store just like I'm that guy. And, you, know, you walk in and you're like, I'd like to play a game. And they're like, why don't you start with that guy? It gets better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, this is one of my questions, right? When we talk about the retirement game, right? Does this mean that like, because I feel like I've seen some retirement games like in the at the at the game store, like you walk in and they're oh. like, like this group of like crusty looking grognards like sitting in the corner and they all look kind of like pissed or like they hate each other kind of and then they're playing some like really really detailed fantasy game they're playing and then and everybody whispers like they've been playing this game for 10 years like is this what we're talking about well i i was with adam and like ben (laughs) and we all have big beards and they're white and we have like overhangs over our belts and i mean it could be could be wherever you're at it could be wherever you want it to be i envisioned it as like being one of the things you know that that's always a bit of the issue is the the uh the retirement yeah, or uh, us having time to have people over, right? I was thinking one of those retirement communities where they spread all the STDs. This, you know, they have like the, you know, the circle, you know, you just have, everybody lives in the same community, right? And you just, you can just start as early or as late as you want and have uh, uh, just as much time do you want to play this game as you want. Um, that was kind of uh, not necessarily in the uh, in the corner at a game store, but that could be if that's where you want to do it. Like I could totally see Adam. Adam being elderly is is just magnified Adam right now. So like I could see that being amazing. And Ben, I think Ben would be a lot of fun as he as he gets a little yeah. more grizzled and <laughs> like like me, Ben, and Adam like doing a like uh, reliving our teenage years as doing our like second teenage era as we're like declining in our lives rather than rising in our lives and like crabbing at each other about vampire like the way we did like fucking 50 years ago like i mean 
There's something about that that sounds kind of appealing, and there's also something about that that makes me like want to run through the wall, <laughs> like a cut out shape, you know, like a Brendan Carrion shape. Um, so yeah, I don't know. We got some interesting comments coming in in the uh, uh, Discord chat. Uh, our friend Ben Rogers says, uh, "When I retire, I'll be running an epic passion play of Fading Suns." Which fuck yeah, that's so great. Fading Suns has that. Um, like uh, World of Darkness, uh, Vampire the Masquerade, kind of like uh, like political soap opera kind of feel, but it's in space. So uh, also a lot of kind of uh, cool Dune vibes there too. And then um, uh, our, our good pa- pal Rob says, uh, mine is going to be running a Tolis campaign, uh, but it's arriving in April. So, you know, as you guys may remember the Tolis, Tolis relaunched in... Giant um, game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on some level, I like as much as I like to thumb my nose at Monty Cook and um, his style of game writing and his kind of like his ethos as a designer and as a marketer. Like, I have to say, Rob's um, Tolis game sounds fucking rad because I love city games. I love games with like lots of like finicky detail, and Tolis is the open the the the, the top end of both. It's just like oh, it's a city full of finicky detail and you can literally spend your entire life going from like shop stall to shop stall trying to find out what's in all of them. And like the books, the book's like eight inches thick. So <laughs> like, Monty Cook has written what is in his shop stall, you know? Oh, jeez. Uh, Daryl, what, what what system do you think you would want to do with that uh, that uh, World War II game? Uh, you know, it'd have to be something weird. Um if I had to pick today, it would probably be uh, Blue Book Chronicles of Darkness because I'm familiar with it and it goes so many places and it's so easy to, to narratively uh, craft things. But I think also that uh, I might get crunchier with my old age. Um, and just for the added challenge, because I've got all this time to plan it, I mean, why not do it in like an advanced Dungeons and Dragons system? Just kind of homebrew my own World War II <laughs> historical horror game in advanced D&D. Why so not? brutal. Don't do not do it in D&D, please. Anyway. Yeah, yeah you're hurting me, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of painful. Uh, also, breaking news. Uh, breaking news. Uh, Noel, uh, Dan, uh, my friend, who's also a patron, just upgraded his pledge because of the Morkborg uh, oh, poss- possibility here. So, thank like, you. Breaking news. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, yeah. I, I suspect people will, uh, will be motivated by this, uh, uh, by the Rot Marches concept, although I could be mistaken. I'm, I've been wrong before. Um, Dara, we all know, and, and Mark Boardman will, will tell you, that uh, the only appropriate system for the game that you've proposed is Twilight 2000. So, <laughs> I, if, especially if you're going to homebrew a bunch of supernatural crunch, you need to start collecting your Twilight 2000 um, uh, collection of books now, preparing for your uh, retirement. And you should probably start reading them, too, because they're dead. <laughs> tiny font. Tiny font. Tiny font. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, in the chat, Chris says you need to paint your minis. I know. I saw Squad that. I saw that. <laughs> I will. I will. <laughs> this week, actually, I've got some downtime, so mini painting is in my future. Oh, good man. All right. Excellent. Yeah. All right, so Ashley, what are you thinking now that you've had a second to reconsider? <laughs> I think that my retirement's going to be sent, spent painting all my minis to, you know, go uh, with that. Hopefully I'll get them yeah. done before then. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think that mine is going to be 
Star Trek because that's been kind of a theme. I I remember watching Star Trek when I was a kid with my mom staying up way too late. Um, Yeah. So I think that there's a lot of places that could take you. So whether you're in, you know, the Delta Quadrant or the Alpha Quadrant or you're on the Deep Space Nine station or you're in Picard's winery in Picard. Like there's so many different places that could take you. You could be on a ship. You could be on uh, the lower deck ship. You know, which is pretty much just Mamre Alpha. If you ever want to see Lower Decks as an actual play, listen to Mamre Alpha. It's the exact same thing. Um, and then on top of that, you've got the holodeck. And then you've got the other planets. Like, there's just so many places you could explore if you had the time to go into all of the different corners of Star Trek canon. Oh, dude, for sure. Uh, and Ben is plus one in your Star Trek uh, idea. Mm, cool. It is. Yes. Because, yeah, that I got to say, that is jaw-droppingly good. Because mm-hmm. the format of Star Trek is this kind of like the five-year mission or the seven-year mission or whatever. And you could almost do seasons of it. Mm-hmm. And you're right. There's just so many um, opportunities to do like interesting little adventures and side adventures and to really kind of do whatever the, the fuck you want with it. There's just, there's mm-hmm. so much going on there. That is, that is super. Yeah. super. Um, what, like what system do you think you would want to use? Probably tiny frontiers. Honestly. Um, I wow. love the tiny D six system. Any, any tiny D six. So tiny D six, any game they come out with anything that gallant night games puts out. I'm pretty much immediately. My ears are perked up because I love everything they do. So, um, I would probably use tiny frontiers because it is, it's, since it's so open, it lends itself really well to just, as Chuck Tingle says, buds around a table telling a story together. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, so I would, all of my friends that I do the Star Trek cruise with every year, except this year because Plague, but, um, like, I can imagine getting us together and just going deep into, you know, nerdy goodness um, and just having the the openness and ability to do that with a system like tiny D six, I think would be really good because we would go off on so many different, so many different wormholes we'd go down that. (laughs) Both literally and figuratively. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. No, that's a great answer. That's a great answer. Um, I I love it. I want to be in. I'm in. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Uh, Richard, what, what are your thoughts, dude? It sounds going to, my my version of what is kind of what Ashley's saying, but grimmer and darker because that's who I am, uh, and that is basically it's not the expanse, but it's going to sound a whole lot like the expanse. It's <laughs> it's basically a solar system wide cyberpunk game with multiple levels where you could play the corpse, you could play the 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 the, the you know the sh- ships running around, or you can play on the net level. Like so, there there's like all these different sub factions and really get to dig into uh, getting, you know, getting that tech right. And then having the weird, uh, you know, transhumanism humanism stuff kind of come in as, as the technology evolves, you get more genetic engineering as, as people start to actually adapt to space and, which is funny because that's what how the expanse started. It was literally the guys ran a role playing game and then wrote a books about it. And now it's a role-playing game in itself and a TV show. But I, 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 I really, you know, I, creativity. yeah, I love, I love space. I love cyberpunk. Uh, that's the thing that I don't think they quite, you know, that's the thing about that. I would be adding to the expanse. Cause there's not like a whole lot of like, 
a cybernetics and like cool like you know it, they already have some transhumanism that they don't really show in the show where it's like oh all of the uh uh people in the in outside in the mines uh uh are all like a little alien because they're longer and they're kind of mutated and they have like big eyes and they're like low grav. Yeah, they're low low grav people. Yeah, uh, yes, uh, indeed, it does sound a little like Coriolis. Uh, <laughs> um, but I haven't read that book. So, with uh, Coriolis. Yeah, I haven't read that book yet, but I probably get there eventually. I would probably run it in the fusion system if I had to, you know, of the cyberpunk really? system. But I, I but I would Why fusion. Well, because I would probably, it's easy for me to modify and I can dig deep and make, you know, many numbers up and down. I can really allow myself to have crunch because that's one of the reasons I'm not a huge fan of crunch is I don't have time for it. <laughs> I don't have time to, for it to make any kind of sense to me, let alone make it worthwhile in the game, where if I have all the time in the world... I have time. I can like go ahead and have deep social and political things going on, which is what I'd prefer, but also make it so it's worthwhile to like work on upgrading your technology and really make it make sense to like have like, you know, all kinds of weird projects and sci-fi things happening. So see, see to me, um, first of all, I'm, I'm actually going to kind of take issue with uh, Ben's assertion at Coriolis because Coriolis, Coriolis, uh, is um it's it's so kind of steeped in this kind of like this mythology this like future mythology and kind of like spiritualism and like this this concept of islam and like future islam and stuff like that and it's and it's decidedly off world you didn't say whether this is going to be like our solar system or a different solar system um, I haven't decided yet, but I mean, I I like the idea of starting with Earth, but it can move out of Earth. Like you know, we can you know, sure. as it evolves, it can become a s- multi-solar system and a galaxy-wide thing. That's why I love that idea of starting with even our, a different solar system, but starting small and being able to grow bigger as people start developing technologies and stuff like that. So, I, th- I think that Eclipse phase is really sad that you're not wanting to use it because I think you're 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 on some level. I think you're. Kind Kind of describing eclipse phase however eclipse phase has a bunch of ip built into it like their ip mm, yeah i don't want that want <laughs> no right you want to make something up so which is why i think and you're gonna you're gonna roll your eyes and you're gonna chide me but i think what you really want is gurps i think you seriously want to bust mm. out the gurps books where you can literally build anything i i, I anything. am I, I will say that i've never actually read GURPS books. I've only played in I think I played in a dark uh dark fantasy game uh, one of the guy one of the local guys runs it. I've played a couple GURPS games, but I've never read those books. So it is indeed not on the things I have actually read, but like I don't I I'm okay with making up my own systems. Like I know I'm not a game designer. Like I you know in if I was if I felt like I was more of a game designer, I said it's it's my own system. I build it myself. Like Right, right, right. You know, like <laughs> that is the thing, is you you can't always graduate into game designer and then just write the game that you want to right. you think should this, you know. <laughs> and we're getting some rebellion from the groups no, yeah. comment no, too. No, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so we're talking about the expanse. That was a role playing game first. And I, I have heard this, but there's another. There's a series of fantasy novels called uh, 
I can't remember what the fucking title of the series is, but the first book is called Gardens of the Moon, right? And it's like this dark fantasy saga. And it's got all the most wacky shit in it. And I remember I, I read the first two books. They're extremely long, and I quit reading them because they're just too fucking long. But um, they have all this wacky shit that is so cool. And I remember reading the books and thinking to myself, I wish I could do this in D&D. I was playing a lot of 3.5 at the time. And you just couldn't do that stuff. You literally couldn't do that stuff in D and D. Just wouldn't it either a wouldn't work or b it'd be like super unbalanced. It would just disbalance everything. And then I found out years later that the 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 books are based on a GURPS campaign. That they had that all the books are essentially just like transcriptions of what happened in a GURPS campaign. And that's why there's all this crazy shit in there. There's like black powder firearms, and there's a fucking elf city that like floats on a on a rock and there's like a dragon that comes out of tunnels in the bottom and there's like a mage there's there's mage character a battle mage who dies in like the first 20 pages of the book but his soul gets shunted into a puppet that he has like set aside as being kind of like a backup in case (laughs) he ever dies and so he spends the first the first thousand page novel walking around in this like puppet form <laughs> and, to people. and you're just like you can, it, it was super awesome and you can't fucking do this shit in D&D but you can do it in GURPS and I'm just saying I'm just saying I know uh, I know our homies are disagreeing with me but uh, I, I would think I'd be it, perfectly I should it. I, at some point we're gonna <laughs> do a GURPS me. deep dive at some point that's just gonna be one of those like somebody's gonna make a bet and lose it and then we're gonna have to read fucking GURPS See, that's and it, <laughs> you say I've never read GURPS but who reads GURPS isn't it basically just like a reference manual I mean well I mean that's like all game it? manuals are all reference manuals like reading any you know there are some that are better written that are more uh, some are more referenced than others we'll just yeah. say that GURPS like, is a phone book for for role playing uh, <laughs> I I am a huge proponent of GURPS so I guess this is my ah. hill to, to yeah that was the year was like 1991 I was fed up with uh, the D&D stuff with my sister and her friends I picked up the GURPS sci-fi book it had a cool ass cover on it and I dug just flipping through it and reading all the stats on everything. And I'm like, this is really cool. And then many years later, uh, Adam Maxwell gave me a copy of uh, GURPS Werewolf that I was like, oh, this is this is kind of neat. And it got me back into <laughs> that was like the first new role playing book I'd had in years. So uh, I love GURPS, man. And I can't believe, Richard, that this has never come up before in our, all of our conversations. <laughs> it, it just GURPS so. is one of those background radiation things that like doesn't come up that often because it just like there's always like one or two tables at every convention and they kind of keep to themselves a little bit except for like uh the the happy jack guys who will constantly stand for gurps uh (laughs) so i i feel like we're entering into a new era of gurps acceptance Mm. because for like seriously 20 years gurps was just like every it was like the punchline of every joke everybody just wanted to fucking stunt on gurps constantly and i Lord knows I have stunted on GURPS my fucking fair share. But recently, and maybe this might be the wizened grognard trying to emerge from my flesh, there's this part of me that's kind of like weirdly curious about it. That's like, you know what? Maybe I should be cracking into this stuff and really kind of trying to figure it all out, you know? Um, the homie uh, uh, Noland uh, mm-hmm. on uh, Patreon says, no one has proposed the multi-table simultaneous campaign where the different parties are working. 
for various factions influencing and destabilizing the political structure for one another. I've always thought that would be a cool retirement game. Well, Nolan, you should really probably take a look at the Rot Marches game that we're going to be running. Because, <laughs> that's uh, why he's in. If, that's no, that's Dan. <laughs> that's Dan. He, he's he's yeah, already yeah, in. No. Uh, but if if if, uh, if, uh, if I'm running this game, then it'll have that because it all. I always do that. I love that shit. It's, yeah. Uh, well, no, that's that's how that's how the. You know, that was what I was thinking as well is like you'd have different audiences and you just collect mm-hmm. that data data and use that for to steer other parts of the game. But like, I, yeah. you know, one table is is absolutely minimum, but like, you know, I can run it for other people. Like I'm going to show up at local conventions to run this shit and no one's going to know what the fuck I'm talking about, which is exactly how I want my retirement to be. <laughs> The game that you're proposing, Richard, is great for troop style, where it's like you can have a whole, you can run a campaign for like a year where you're playing corpse on Mars, like extracting minerals with shadow runners trying to fuck you. And then you can be like, okay, now we're going over to Pluto and it's all new fucking player characters. And you can kind of see that conflict going on in the background from Mm -hmm. a different, different vantage point. Very interesting. That'd be fascinating. Uh, I don't know how long we've been doing FMRPG at this point. I feel like it's like we've been, we're, we're, we're like we've we've been talking for a while. So I'm gonna jump in with mine. Um, I think that's cool, right? When you feel when you're having fun and it just feels like doesn't feel like anything. Um, but but there should be probably some constraints on like this episode. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so uh, <laughs> so I think that my retirement campaign will probably be some kind of vampire game. Now, uh, this is like just really easy for me to say. It's kind of, it's almost like sort of like a thoughtless answer. I almost feel like when I actually come to it, there's people that it might just end up being a fantasy game that is incredibly political, like a hyper political, multi generational, super intricately detailed fantasy game, right? Um, for instance, like Sword Chronicle comes to mind. I'm kind of like fiending on Sword Chronicle right now. Um, but in my in my heart, the game I've been wanting to do for years and that I just haven't really had the time or the energy or the focus or the gumption to get done is is, is essentially a very, very detailed vampire game. And that's not VTM. I know that we often use the word vampire to mean vampire the masquerade, but I mean, it's just a game with vampires in it. Where, you, where your player characters are vampires. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I've been writing this game about vampires for, like, I don't know, <laughs> a little, like, too long, too yeah, long. You don't say. You don't say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, that game is, like, kind of coming into a position of focus where uh, there may actually be, you know, in this calendar year, like, a rule set that people can use available widely. And then um, after that, certainly, I'm hoping in the next you know year or two to create like a fully playable 100% actual game game rule set. And so uh, I would probably run this retirement game using my rule set because then I can do what I want with it and I don't have to be like, oh, well, in 1927, the Camarilla did not control Baltimore. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have to worry about that shit. You know what I'm saying? I could just do what I want. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I really really want to do one of those multi-generational campaigns. The, 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 The game that, like, starts hundreds of years ago and that moves forward and maybe skips around in time and players come and players go and characters come and characters go and sometimes characters come back 
uh, that that has been. I mean, that's the thing that really kind of married me to role playing. I think in a certain way back in like 1996, when I was just like, "Well, this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life." <laughs> you know what I'm like, is doing that kind of role playing. Um, to me, there's just like nothing better. Uh, I could see doing it vampire the masquerade second edition you know maybe maybe by the time i quote unquote retire which i'm, I'm like you richard i don't i think I'm, i don't really ever think i'm gonna retire i think at some point i'll just stop being a profitable asset to whatever company i am owned by and they'll just walk me out back and they'll be a wood chipper and they'll just throw me <laughs> fargo shit <laughs> yeah exactly they'll just be like ah enough of you um but uh so I, I don't know that i'm ever going to get a chance to do this game but um i i mean i hope i do i'd i'd, I'd really like to um yeah and that's kind of that's you know that's 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 kind of where I'm at with that. I mean, I, that that's a really kind of unsurprising answer, isn't it? Um, I mean, that that sounds like. I mean, it it definitely sounds like a game that you can really sink your teeth into. The pun, not. I, I didn't mean to go punny. I'm sorry. I really apologize, everyone. I'm sorry. Uh, but being able to like develop relationships. I mean, you are kind of describing a little bit of Forever Night. Uh, where they go back in time every episode to see what happened to influence the current time. That's one of my favorite tropes in that show. Bro, bro, when Ravenous comes out, not the Ashcan, that, that system is too big for the Ashcan, but if you don't think that Ravenous isn't going to have a flashback mechanic... <laughs> yes! Where you, can, like, <laughs> where you can go back to, like, Ireland... Like eighteen twelve, you know yeah, exactly. Like, and play as your characters having some issue that will then reflect on the session that you are playing in or the next session. And you are mistaken, my friend, because <laughs> this is this is this this is a, this is a, a crux moment of uh, of, of vampire, vampire film and television literature. It's in almost every single thing, you know. As long as I get a stat for jacket game, I'm going to be happy. So well, <laughs> stat for jacket game, uh, that's an old school reference for everybody. I think that's Coast and Katanas will have that for you. Ravenous okay. will not, unfortunately. Well, uh, I'll, I'll write my own vampire game then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I suggest that you do, sir. I suggest that you do. All right. Well, I suppose we should wrap it up then. Uh, Richard, I think that you wanted a chance to address the cult real quick. I, I did. I did. And uh, so... Uh, one of the things that we've it's it's been in the background but nobody's really talked about it since we put it up there in December which I kind of I realize now that the end of December is kind of a terrible time to launch a merch store uh, but we have a t-shirt we have a t-shirt store out there on T public you can get the link from uh, going to fullmetalrpg.com and going to our merch uh, merch uh, button there uh, and but I want to transition over to looking at this uh, and I, they can't see it, but it's uh, it's a red sweatshirt with the chrome full metal RPG, and it is the reddest red you could possibly buy. Now you can you can get all kinds of uh, different colors on this. I really want this shirt. I have not had the time nor the extra cash right at the moment, which I understand. That's maybe why these haven't sold. But with these T Public uh, things, you can make what kind of whatever colors we're allowing to do. But you can go to black. You know, you can get your black and white. We got some cool stuff like that. But anyway, I just want to say 
I, I really love the ones I bought. I'm not wearing one today because those are in the laundry, but like, uh, I love that the quality material I've gotten from them is, is top quality t-shirt material. So I just want to say, go check out the T public store. Uh, and, uh, it, it's also helpful. If you, you can't be a patron, we get a good portion of what we sell the money you give to T public. They, they get, they get a cut cause they make the thing and they ship it to you. We don't have to do that. And that's why we chose to do it from a website instead of ourselves. I would love to do it ourselves, but that's a retirement level game right there. <laughs> so anyway, no, no doubt, no doubt. So. And I'm, I'm a plus one with the quality on T public. Like mm-hmm. when we had done this, when we decided to do this, I was kind of like, whatever. I had done some business with Redbubble, and I thought Redbubble was okay. I had gotten some okay shirts from Redbubble. And then I was doing my laundry after we launched the store, and I found that literally one of my favorite shirts that I own, it was given to me as a gift, is actually a Tee Public shirt. I wear it all the fucking time, and there's like no way you would think to yourself this isn't like a, like a really good graphic tee that you, you know, got from a screen printer. Um... But that stuff is POD. It is it is very high quality. And and since Richard has been kind of on me about the T Public store, I went into the old art troves and I found all the old FMRPG art and I got it on a little little drive here. So now all that's standing between us and like just scads and scads of fucking like full metal RPG shirts is my lazy ass putting them on. So the, the toad shirt, the, the, the toad f- shirt <laughs> that we've been talking about for years. Yes, <laughs> literally. Um. So yeah, check out the T Public shirt and then kind of our uh, shirt store, and then check back every so often because uh, more designs forthcoming in the uh, weeks and months ahead. So thank you, Richard. Thank you for that. And then uh, thank you to Ashley. Thank you to Daryl. Thank you to Richard for uh, putting the show together today. Really appreciate it. And thank you to all of our patrons. Thank you to everybody who's listening. Uh, thank you to uh, Ben and to Dan. Uh, and to Chris for coming in and talking to us and keeping the conversation moving and sprightly. We really appreciate you. Um, but really, always, thank you, listeners, every single one of you for listening. Uh, have a great night. Bye. <laughs>